0: Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I'm really excited to talk to you about the power of the cross and a really important reminder of how that power and that reality is the true solution to every problem that we're facing. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you of a couple things. If you are looking for a time to get away from the distractions of your life and go deeper with Jesus Christ, no matter what season of life you're in, I encourage you to join us for our upcoming week-long discipleship training program at the Ellerslie campus in Colorado. It's coming up in November, and you can learn about it at ellerslie.com. That's E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com. We would love to invest into your spiritual life this fall. Also, I would love you to join us if you are a wife or a mother or a soon-to-be wife or a soon-to-be mother for our upcoming Marriage and Motherhood Retreat. This is also happening at the Ellerslie Campus, October 23rd through 25th. And we are also offering a simulcast of this event. So if you can't make it out here to Colorado, please consider streaming these sessions and sharing them with others in your life. We are offering this event on a donation-only basis because of the challenges that many people are facing today. So if you'd like to join us, we do not want finances to stand in the way. Please go to setapartmotherhood.com to learn more about this retreat. It's a very, very special weekend, and I'm so excited to see what God will do. I'd love to have you join us. So let's dive into looking at the power of the cross and how we can apply that power and that reality to the struggles and the challenges that we're facing right now today. I want to reflect back on a really difficult experience that I went through when I was about 22 years old. Eric and I had just stepped into full-time ministry, and things were really difficult for us at that time. You know, I had sort of envisioned ministry being this kind of glamorous or romantic experience traveling around and connecting with other Christians around the world and being able to meet other Christian leaders and just strengthen the body of Christ. And I wasn't at all prepared for the incredible battle that we were stepping into. And one of the biggest points of attack for me was being criticized by people. Whenever you take a strong stand for Jesus, especially a public stand, it kind of goes with the territory that you become the brunt of criticism, and I was not prepared for that at all at the age of 22, and I remember... Really being thrown off because a lot of the criticism came from the body of Christ. It came from other Christian leaders that I respected, and I wasn't at all prepared for that. You almost sort of expect it from non believers, but you don't always expect that type of criticism from inside the body of Christ. And we did a podcast a few weeks ago about handling criticism and reviling. So if this is something you've struggled with, I really encourage you to listen to that episode. But in this situation, I had been confronted by a pastor. Eric and I had spoken at his church. The event went very well. People responded really well to the message. But this pastor misunderstood a situation that he saw between Eric and I on stage. It was a very simple situation where Eric and I had to make a decision, do we want to do music now or do we want to do this? And we were kind of having this little discussion. It definitely wasn't an argument. There was no tension At all. We were just talking about, hey, do you think we should do this or do you think we should do that? Well, this pastor had been sitting at the very back of the church and somehow misread the situation to assume that Eric was asking me to do something and I was refusing to do it, which was totally not what was happening at all. But he jumped to the conclusion that I had intentionally dishonored my husband publicly and that we had all these deep problems in our marriage. Now, that was totally laughable. We had had and still have a very, very strong message. And I would never intentionally dishonor Eric, especially in public. But this pastor jumped to the conclusion because he misread a situation. Instead of asking us questions, wanting us to clarify things, he just made that decision that, hey, this lady has some big time issues and she's very disrespectful towards her husband. And so we had no idea that this pastor had any concerns about us. But about a year later, He called to confront me about this so-called disrespectful behavior. Now, even though Eric defended me and he tried to explain and clarify what actually happened, this pastor would not budge from his position that I was a terrible wife and that I had serious problems that I needed to address through like counseling or something. It was a very serious accusation that he was throwing my way. He was making the assumption that I had problems with my father and I needed to go to counseling. It was really quite extreme. Now, at the age of 22, I was emotionally knocked off my feet. Feet by this type of criticism, this type of false accusation. I wasn't ready for it. I didn't know how to handle it. I just felt so like someone had just punched me in the gut basically. And I did not know how to respond to it. I remember just putting down the phone and running to my bedroom and sobbing. And even though Eric you know, was such a great comfort and and really was someone who rose to my defense and told me not to at all worry about what this pastor thought of me, it was just very hard to shake off. And so for the next few weeks and months, this feeling of depression began to settle over me. And depression isn't something, it wasn't something that I had ever really dealt with before. But as I became the brunt of that kind of criticism and false accusation and just feeling so misunderstood, it was like, I couldn't shake off this sort of cloud that was following me around all the time. And whenever we would speak publicly after that, I was always wondering who was going to misunderstand me or misread my actions or criticize me. And so I would start retreating after every speaking event, just like scooting away before anyone could talk to me. I just wanted to be alone because I was so self-protective, didn't want to have to go through that kind of pain again. Now, to make matters worse, that situation with that misled, misguided pastor wasn't the only difficulty that was hitting me during that season. As I mentioned in the podcast on criticism, I began to receive a lot of critical letters and emails on a pretty regular basis. When you're in the public eye, again, that does go with the territory, especially if you're taking a pretty bold stand for truth and for Jesus Christ. And even though I got a lot of really encouraging feedback and just amazing stories of God changing people's lives through what we were doing, just one letter that was full of criticism was enough to send me spiraling downward emotionally. So I might get 10 or 15 emails or letters that were so encouraging, but if I got one It just pulled me down. And then, of course, we began to have a lot of other... Attacks in that season, as I've shared on other episodes, the enemy was really hitting us hard, and I think his game was to try to get us to give up. We began to experience extreme financial struggles. We were often taken advantage of by people in the church and even financially taken advantage of, and our bank account began to suffer. Our car broke down. We had computers that crashed beyond repair that couldn't be fixed, that weren't under warranty, and my health began to be affected because of all the stress in our life. I had walked into a spiritual battle that I was totally unready for. Now, this is where I want to talk about the power of the cross, because maybe you haven't gone through a struggle exactly like what I've described, but you're going through some other extreme struggle, and you feel like there's a cloud of depression or or anxiety or discouragement that's hovering over you all the time. And when we go through a time like that. Our typical reaction is to go to the world for answers. And that's exactly what I did. I was looking for answers and solutions anywhere I could find them, except for at the feet of Jesus. Even though I was a Christian, I was thinking, well, you know, there's a lot of special circumstances here that I don't know that I'm going to find the answers in the Word of God. So I started to read self help books on how to overcome fear and depression. And I started to, you know, work on, okay, I need to work on my diet and take all these special supplements and things that will help me feel better. And I started to go to counseling and look online for answers, but really nothing that I tried, you know, I might get a temporary relief here and there, but nothing really that I tried that was just a solution that I could find out there in the world really had a lasting impact and lifted that gloom and that worry from my soul. It wasn't until I made a decision, I drew a line in the sand, and I said, Jesus, you are the solution to every problem. And I knelt down and I laid every one of my cares, every one of my burdens at his feet. And I said, Lord, I believe that you are enough. This, you are all that I need with what I'm walking through right now. I haven't been able to find the answers in self-help books or in blogs or in diet or in counseling, but I know that you are the answer. It had never really occurred to me that the solution to all of my issues and problems might be really just as simple as that—going to the feet of Jesus. I hadn't really been believing that Christ in Him crucified was the true answer that I needed, and the reason was because I thought I had special problems that needed special treatment. My issues were complicated, so I assumed I needed a complicated solution for them. The cross of Jesus Christ just seemed too simple for everything that I was dealing with, and besides, it. It really didn't feel that exciting to just take my cares to the feet of Jesus. In some ways, I felt like I would rather be sympathized with by other people and treated delicately by caring friends and professionals. You know, really, as much as I didn't like to admit it, there was something appealing about gaining special treatment from other people as they tried to help me work through my issues. I really kind of enjoyed hearing that message, poor you, I feel so bad for you, you've been through so much. But I wasn't really as excited about hearing the message, take your cares to Jesus. He is everything you need. But it was only when human sympathy and human advice fell short that I became desperate enough to take my problems to the feet of Jesus. And what I discovered was nothing short of amazing. I finally began to acknowledge that He was truly the answer to every problem I could ever face, and my life began to turn around for the first time in years. I began to really learn for the first time in my life what it meant to cast my cares upon Him, to lay my burdens at His feet, and rely on His grace to do the impossible, which was finding joy in the midst of my trials, finding strength in the midst of the weakness that I felt, and finding peace in the midst of the seeming chaos of my life. Jesus became in reality my wonderful counselor, my prince of peace, and my all in all. Now, those are things that the the word of God promises Jesus will be in our lives if we allow him to. But so often we do not say, Lord, you are everything that I need. So we don't really experience him as our wonderful counselor or our prince of peace or our all in all because we're not giving him that opportunity. The reality is that no human sympathy or human wisdom can ever compare to what we can find in Him. Now, of course, He can work through things like a godly counselor or a trusted friend or even a book, but when we are looking to those things as a replacement for Him, we will find that those things fall short. In Jesus Christ, in my own situation, I finally gained the ability to walk through my difficult circumstances with victory and hope instead of depression and despair." Running to the feet of Jesus also helped me understand better the spiritual battle that I was in and awakened me to key truths that I needed to learn, like resisting the enemy and learning how to be spiritually offensive and not just defensive all the time. As I went to the word of God, as I took my cares to the feet of Jesus, as I said, Lord, you are all I need. You are my all in all. That is when I discovered that every problem I faced had an answer found in Jesus Christ. Now, again, please don't get me wrong. Leaning on the body of Christ for comfort and perspective can be such a wonderful gift when we are struggling. This isn't a message that is telling you, you know, just go camp out in a hermit's cabin in the woods and you don't ever need to connect with anybody else in this world because all you need is Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to understand that human comfort and human wisdom should only be a tool that points us to the true solution to every problem, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, if you feel that you have special circumstances in your life, I want to just tell you a story that has meant a lot to me whenever I start to feel that way. Well, my circumstances are different. I've been through things that other people don't understand. I don't think my problems are going to be covered by the word of God. If you've ever had those kinds of thoughts, there was a story I heard from a missionary named Jackie Pullinger who was worked in the walled city of Hong Kong for many years among the most destitute and desperate people really in the world. And she talked about leading a woman to Christ who had been in a terrible situation for more than 40 years. She had been a prostitute. She had been rejected, abused, mistreated in in nearly every way imaginable. She had been rejected, abused, and mistreated in nearly every way imaginable. And if anyone would seem to have special circumstances, it would be a woman like that. But it wasn't coddling or human sympathy or psychology that delivered this woman from despair and changed her from the inside out. It was the undiluted message of the cross. It was the transforming power of Jesus Christ in Him crucified. She became a new creature in Jesus Christ, and she began to turn outward and serve And God began to work through her, and it was like everything that had been lost was restored. That was such a powerful story to me, because if anyone had an excuse to say, well, I have special circumstances, it would be someone like that. And yet she found the answer she needed in Jesus Christ. So it's really easy for us to believe we have those special circumstances because of the unique things that we've gone through, and we start to think that the gospel can't really be applied to our lives in all of its fullness and power. We assume that if we've gone through some extreme difficulty or disappointment, we might be entitled to a special version of truth, maybe seasoned with a few sympathetic words like, don't worry, God knows your situation is unique. You can't be expected to apply biblical truth to your life the way other people do. It's totally reasonable for you to remain defeated and downtrodden after everything you've been through. When we play the special circumstances card, we are just creating a makeshift excuse not to take Jesus Christ at His word. There is no situation that the power of the cross cannot permeate and transform, and there is no wound that His cleansing blood cannot heal. In fact, I believe that the more extreme the circumstances, the more opportunity for His supernatural grace to be demonstrated in our lives in its life-changing power. If you study Christian history, you'll realize that the gospel has spread like wildfire whenever the most destitute and desperate and notorious people have been radically changed by its power. So if you study the great revivals, you'll see that people have been drawn to the gospel when they saw the power of the cross transform the most seemingly hopeless people. They would see alcoholics totally forsake their addictions and stop beating their wives and children and start becoming amazing fathers and husbands they would see women who were just notorious, you know, prostitutes and women who were just always on the streets living these really immoral lives begin to radically live different and be pure and be outward and become beautiful women of of service for Jesus Christ. And that was so powerful to people because they recognized, wow, if the gospel and the cross of Jesus Christ can offer tr- true freedom and triumph for people in these situations, of course, it can do the same for me. And that's often what led to some of the greatest revivals It's just seeing the power of the gospel in people's lives who were seemingly hopeless cases. Through the years, I've realized that it hasn't been the times when things had been easy for me, that I felt the most impact of God's truth in my life, but when things have been difficult. I have experienced the victory that comes when I cling to the cross and allow His divine power to give me strength far beyond any strength I could ever find within myself. Now, of course, that does not mean that every day is filled with sunshine and roses. There are many times when I have to wrestle through tears and hurt and confusion and fear until I finally break through to a clear, truth-filled perspective. But when I wrestle for that clear, truth-filled perspective, it always comes when I go to the right source, the feet of Jesus and the word of God. This is something that Mrs. Charles B. Cowman said in her book, Streams in the Desert. Faith has nothing to do with circumstances. It deals entirely with the word of God. So setting the circumstances aside and saying, Lord, what do you have to say about this is actually where victory starts. So as you are contemplating this set-apart life that God has called you to, beware of an attitude that says, well, my situation is different. I can't experience joy and freedom and victory because, and then fill in the blank. Because the reality is that there are no special circumstances. The solution to every problem is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. Even if you don't sense an immediate victory in the midst of your difficulties when you're going to the feet of Jesus, that doesn't mean that God is not already working on your behalf. So continue to pursue His promises until they have become reality in your daily life. And remember that while God sometimes may choose to provide clearer perspective through the insights of other people or counseling or books, make sure that He is always your first turn and let those things just be an enhancement to what He is already doing in your life. So here are just a few practical ways that I have done this in my own life. First and foremost, pray until that heavenly perspective comes. There's a quote by A.W. Tozer that says, when we pray about things in our life, if our hearts feel dull and unspiritual, we shouldn't just give up. We should continue to press through until we have that clear, unhindered heavenly perspective. If we continue to pray and cry out for it, there is that point where we reach a breakthrough and we see from God's perspective, and it just changes the way we're looking at our circumstances. Also, read stories of Christians who overcame incredible difficulties through the power of the cross. I love books by Corey Tenboom and Elizabeth Elliott and Darlene Daibler and Oswald Chambers and Hudson Taylor because as I as I read through the incredible difficulties that they went through and how they applied the power of the cross to gain victory in the midst of those difficulties, it shows me I have no reason to think that the power of the cross is beyond the circumstances that I'm facing right now. I've also found it really helpful to memorize specific promises from the Word of God that apply to my situation and meditate on them whenever I'm starting to feel that sense of discouragement or doubt or despair or depression. Just pull out those promises like weapons and say, nope, this is the reality that I stand on. I'm not going to allow that lie from the enemy to take over my perspective. And resist the enemy. We have other podcasts on resisting Satan's attacks, and a lot of times we have to rise up in the authority of Jesus Christ and just command the enemy not to bully us around with lies. Fill your mind with truth. Paul's checklist in Philippians, whatever is true and noble and excellent and praiseworthy, those are the things we should be meditating on every single day as often as we possibly can. And be guarded about just buying into worldly mentalities. There are a lot of self-help messages out there. Not all of them are terrible, but a lot of them pull us away from the power of the cross and just cause us to focus more and more on ourselves and self-love and self-help and self-nurture. And again, not all of it's bad, but so often it gives us a counterfeit solution to the real solution, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. No matter what you are going through, don't seek after human sympathy or human wisdom or human coddling. Remember, the transforming power of Jesus Christ and His cross is what you truly need for freedom. If that is what you go after, if you know that Jesus Christ is the true solution to every problem, you will soon be able to declare, in reality, along with Paul, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to build a Christ-centered life, please visit us at setapartgirl.com. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.